Welcome back to Podcast 37 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by MyBookie.ag. For a 100% sign-up bonus, please visit MyBookie and use the promo code the Oddsbreakers. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with a cost, sponsor the website and podcast, we'd love to help you out. Please visit theosbreakers.com, click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theosbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. My friends, Memorial Weekend is past us. I hope you guys had a fantastic and very fun and very safe Memorial Weekend. I stayed home myself. It was actually some of the most relaxing time that I've had over the past few months. Uh, Really nice to not get out and travel for myself, being that I've been traveling so much recently. So was able to watch some baseball, a little basketball, a little bit of hockey. Just so nice to take a break and actually stay home on a uh, big weekend of travel, you know, and I was busy too. I was able to update the website a lot. There's uh, some big changes and surprises that we are making this year. You're going to see membership packages now for sports. Just uh, had too many people request just individual sports. And I still like to go by the membership philosophy at the odds breakers where when we make the plays we give them out so you do not get much of a line difference if any at all from what we are playing so already started working on that i have my packages out for football got chris's out as well and going to be adding some for the other handicappers very soon there's an early bird discount if you check it out as well to get membership packages at the odds breakers and we're also going to be offering a free odds breakers hat for any sign up for any of our handicappers including myself all the way through august 15th so really getting excited for football and been doing a lot of work on the nfl as well as college in all of my research And this episode today will be focused on some of the NFL as I go over the NFC South and the NFC East division and their previews. Going to also talk a little bit about UFC coming up this weekend with Volkov versus Rosenstruck, a fantastic main event this weekend on June 4th. A couple decent fights on the undercard as well. And then Maddie from footballcontest.com is going to be our guest today and talk about some of the stuff he's got going on at the website for you to get into the big football contest this week and some massive changes and improvements happening in the Circa. Can't wait to get Maddie on and discuss all of that. Little rumor flying around that the Circa contest ante has been up to a total of 12 million dollars so (laughs) that is a heck of a lot more 
than any of the other properties in Las Vegas, as far as I can tell, from a total contest payout. So can't wait to get more details uh, as soon as we get Maddie on later in the show. Also, before I forget, if you are a professional handicapper or have handicapping experience and would like to contribute and monetize through the Odds Breakers, feel free to contact us on Twitter at the Odds Breakers or contact us on our website at theoddsbreakers.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into the premise of this show. We're going to start out with our NFC South 2022 preview and season win totals. So it's going to be a similar format that we talked about for the NFC North. Might be a couple plays sprinkled in as well that we're able to give out. It's still early, and if you shop around, you should be able to get these lines or better that I'm giving you for some of the win totals, whether we play them or not. Make sure you always shop around to get the best line. We always preach this at the Odds Breakers. So let's get started in general then for the NFC South. It's going to be a very interesting division to me this year. There's been some big changes with the top teams in this division. That's why it's going to be interesting. And it's also interesting to see what's going on with the bottom two teams in this division and see if they actually have a shot to compete this year. Now, schedule-wise, the NFC South plays the NFC West, which isn't good. The NFC West was probably the best division in football again last year. And the AFC North which kind of cooled off last year, being that Steelers barely limped into the playoffs, and obviously the Bengals took over, right? But the Ravens didn't make the playoffs, and the Browns failed as well, (laughs) which is funny because those were the two most bet-on teams to make the playoffs from the AFC North last year. But the at-large games are going to be tough on top, I think, because, you know, you're playing the NFC North, which is Packers-Vikings, but very easy on the bottom, right? Because you got Bears-Lions, and kind of with the same with the NFC East, Washington-New York Giants on the bottom, or Dallas-Philadelphia on top. So the at-large games is going to be pretty interesting. Um, I was right about the Saints last year not making the playoffs, and... uh, the nine and a half that we took was fantastic. Unfortunately, it went down to a nine. And uh, somebody probably pushed on that. But I was also very wrong about the Panthers. I thought the Panthers were going to make the playoffs, and I lost that play. Um, let's see what 2022 has to offer us. Starting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their Vegas win total is 11.5, juice to the under, minus 120. In 2021, they had 13 wins, and they had 11.6 Pythagorean wins, right? So they overachieved a little bit. Their schedule this year, medium easy, actually. At-large games at Dallas, well, that's not that good. Against Green Bay, not great. At least they get them at home. And against Kansas City. So the reason that Warren Sharp has their schedule medium easy there is most likely because Tampa Bay is on top of this division 
winning like 13 games last year, and the rest of them are pretty low. They're getting a benefit facing a very bad Atlanta team that has a forecasted low season win total and a Carolina team. So that's why their schedule is medium easy compared to the NFL strength based upon Vegas forecasted win totals. Last year, their schedule was medium hard. Their key losses this year, guard Alex Kappa, safety Jordan Whitehead, running back Ronald Jones, edge rusher Jason Pierre-Paul, defensive tackle Nagat Sue, cornerback Richard Sherman, tight end Rob Gronkowski, but you know, you know how Gronk is. <laughs> he might come back later in the year for the playoffs. Uh, guard Shaq Mason and tight end O.J. Howard. Let's obviously not forget about retired coach Bruce Arians, who is leaving. Key additions, coach Todd Bowles gets promoted from defense coordinator to head coach, safety Keanu Neal, and wide receiver Russell Gage. Not a ton of players. Key draft picks, defensive lineman Logan Hall, tackle Luke Gogke, or Godecki, sorry, and running back Rashad White from ASU. And I wrote a bunch of bums because <laughs> I really didn't love Tampa Bay's draft. I didn't. But the elephant in the room is Mr. Tom Brady, who briefly retired and just decided to come back after about a month and a half of daycare. Right? So Tom Brady's back, but still, Looking at all the guys that this team lost, were a few of them maybe past their prime, like a like a Jordan Whitehead, Richard Sherman, Nadamakon Soup, maybe. But these players still started, and they were still part of Tampa Bay's success last year, right? I didn't see a lot of replacing come in this year, and you know, I I don't understand this. They picked up Russell Gage. Three years, $30 million. What the hell did Russell Gage do to earn three-year contract for $30 million? Unreal. You know? I Maybe he plays great special teams or something, but that just seems a lot of money to pay for a guy that uh, really didn't do all that much in Atlanta last year. I I think he was kind of left open by default, you know, to get some of his stats. But there's just a lot of production on defense. I know Todd Bowles is a defensive coach, but coming in, this almost feels like the last year the Patriots with Brady when, you know, he kind of got them to the playoffs, but were massively overmatched that first game. I think it was against the Titans. I just don't have a lot of faith in this Buccaneers team, but at the same time, it's hard to want to fade a guy like Brady, especially from a lower win total perspective. Okay, Vegas win total is not 13. It's 11.5 juiced to the under, right? So it's right where their Pythagorean wins were. So, I mean, the good news here is that at least they get to play Atlanta twice. They get to play Carolina twice. Obviously, some of the bottom feeders in the NFC North and the NFC East. So it doesn't exactly make me want to run to the window and fade this team. 
But um, Brady just keeps getting older and older, wants to continue to play football. And uh, at some point, he's going to have to realize he's about 44, 45 years old and is going to have to hang it up. Not sure if this is the year, but I can't I can't imagine him getting injured and seeing uh, what, what this team's going to do without a guy like Tom Brady. They still have Evans there, obviously. They still have Cameron Brait. I, they still have Goddard. I, I think they're going to be a good team, but they're razor thin. This team gets injured. Their depth is absolutely terrible. So I'm going to give you a strong lean to the under. My, my number metrically is 10.8, and it's probably because of how good they've been at home and how good Tom Brady is. But um, I'm just not really high on this uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And you have to realize that like I said earlier, they're at large games at Dallas against Green Bay against Kansas City is going to be very difficult. Lean under 11 and a half wins. Also, my power rating on this Tampa Bay team is going to start out around 3.75 points above average. Next team, the New Orleans Saints. Now, their Vegas win total is eight, juice to the over, minus 130. 2021 wins, they actually did get nine wins last year. Their Pythagorean wins was 8.93. Schedule medium easy at large versus Minnesota at home against the Raiders at home and at Philadelphia. Last year's schedule was was hard. It was a, it was, it was a very hard first place schedule. First year after Breeze, if you remember. Key losses, Coach Sean Payton, left tackle Taron Armstead, Quarterback Trevor Simeon, inside linebacker Quan Alexander, who was injured most of the season anyway, and strong safety Jeff Heath. Key additions, Coach Dennis Allen got promoted. Um, safety Marcus Williams. Safety Tyron Matthew. Wide receiver Marcus Landry. Sorry, that's Jarvis Landry. And strong safety Daniel Sorensen. So they picked up a few people, right? Uh, their key draft picks was wide receiver Chris Olave from Ohio State. Left tackle Trevor Penning and a bunch of dudes. <laughs> so the Saints, very interesting last year to say the least. And I got to tell you, I was pretty floored that they actually did get up to nine wins. Their Pythagorean proved it and backed it up at 9.3. And this team was very injured last year. They lost Jameis Winston during the seventh game of the season. Um, they had to overachieve after that, and they pretty much did. Somehow they got to nine wins even without Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas is going to be back here. That's two key guys right there that missed most of the season, if not all. I think Michael Thomas missed all the season. I'm normally concerned with uh, coaching changes, but you can't discount the fact that Dennis Allen has been in the Sean Payton program since 2015. Another just big piece of continuity. He's a defensive coordinator. And the offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, is going to stay in the team's role as offense coordinator. And Dennis Allen's just kind of just stepping up a little bit into uh, this role where he learned from Sean Payton. So not as worried with all this continuity. My two biggest concerns remain how dedicated Jameis Winston is, really. I'm always a little concerned about him. But... At least this team backed up their quarterback position better now with a pocket passer like Andy Dalton, you know? I mean, not that you're supposed to be excited about that, 
But if Winston gets hurt, at least you're going to have more faith in him than like a Taysom Hill who's just a gadget guy. Or an Ian Book that really, really looked bad last year, right? I mean, if Ian Book wants to stay on this roster, he's going to have to do some serious ass kissing. He's going to seriously have to be up this coach's ass 24-7 through every single camp and every single practice and show that he can be a heck of a lot better than he did when he had to fill in on the emergency situation last year. But one thing I will say is that it's just amazing that they achieved nine wins with this hard of a schedule with no quarterback, and that makes me very optimistic on this team. Um, If Jameis pans out just as average or even a little below average and kind of lets their defense do what they do, lets Elvin Kamara do what he does, I can see a lot of wins for this team. And they're on a second-place schedule, not a first-place schedule, okay? So my number is 10.93 wins for the Saints with how much they got last year based upon a very injured roster. I also think that they have a shot at winning this division. But over eight wins is where you can get this number at mine. And I took it up to minus 130. Yes, you can get the eight and a half at like a plus 105, but that's not worth it because each half a win is is, is worth about 45 to 50 cents. So I'm going to take the over eight and take, and I think that you push at worst case scenario at the minus 130. I got to tell you, I smell blood with Tampa this year. I think the Saints believe that this division is theirs. They seem to play Tampa extremely well every time they play. Huge shout out to Houdat Nation. But I think that over eight at minus 130 is going to be a worst case scenario for this team. I let it go. And I said to myself, this is the business we've chosen. So... My power rating on the Saints is actually starting pretty high. It's starting at three points above the average team. I'm going to be coming bullish on the Saints. Hopefully it doesn't bite me in the ass. But at the same time, I'm not afraid to make adjustments quickly if needed from what I see throughout a little bit of the preseason, but mostly over the first few weeks of the NFL season. Next team, the Carolina Panthers. Their Vegas win total is six, juice to the under, minus 125. Their 2021 wins is five games. Pythagorean wins is 6.43. Schedule is medium. They get the Giants, they get Denver, and they get at Detroit. So their schedule last year was medium easy. Okay, and they still underachieve and only won five games. Their key losses this year is outside linebacker Hassan Reddick, cornerback uh, Stefan Gilmore, defensive tackle Daquan Jones, center Matt Paradis, quarterback Cam Newton, if you really call that a loss. He was kind of like a, a, a stopgap last year that didn't pan out. <laughs> quarterback AJ or cornerback AJ Bouye and guard John Miller. Quite a few guys. Key additions, guard Austin Corbett, safety Xavier Woods, who's kind of old, outside linebacker Damian Wilson, and center Bradley Bozeman. Key draft picks, offensive tackle Ikem Ikuanu, quarterback Matt Corral, 
linebacker Brandon Smith and just a few other guys. So my summary here is that it, it looks like Matt Rule is on borrowed time. I thought that maybe they would pick Malik Willis with that pick just to save Matt's integrity, but it sounds like the GM took over and said, "Look, um, we're not we're not drafting for you. We're drafting for the team." And they ended up with a good quarterback, second, third round. I think it was third round with Matt Corral, anyway, right? So a lot of these teams played the quarterback situation correctly by getting some good players and then getting a guy that you know shined and was in the top four, top five last year. What I do like is uh, that, you know, they have some continuity with the coach here. Um, They have some skill positions, you know. Um, I'm not in love with their draft. I didn't think Ike McQuanu was the best tackle, even though all the draft pundits and media out there said he was the best. I thought Evan Neal was the best, but still, it's too early to tell. Um. They just needed way more picks to fix this offensive line. This is one of the worst offensive lines uh, in all the NFL. Um, the market is kind of saying that this team is a little bit better than the Falcons, being that their win total is juiced. Um, it is at six. It's juiced the under at minus 125, but the Falcons is lower, believe it or not. But I will at least say that at, le- at least they're – Pythagorean win total last year was 6.43 compared to their five wins. Um, and, the, and the Falcons Pythag, you'll find out, was lower at 5.16. We have to remember that this team still has some good skill positions. You know, they still got DJ Moore. They still got CMC and at running back. They still got Chuba Hubbard. They have some decent names on defense. It's just not a complete team. I mean, this team could be really fun. If Matt Corral all of a sudden turns up, right? If he turns out and let's say Desmond Ritter turns out with the Falcons, it would really make this division interesting. <laughs> but, you know, you can't bank on that. And probably Sam Darnold is going to at least start the season, see how long he lasts, and then they'll throw Matt Corral in later to see what they have in him. But I'll tell you this, if Matt Corral really does turn out and – with some of the talent in this team, if they can stay a little healthy, they might exceed that season win total. My number is 6.22, so I'm very close to it, but I'm going to give you a slight lean to the over because of that. Now, Carolina's power rating I have at minus 5.75, so it's not like I'm that optimistic, but you got to start somewhere. I think I upgraded it correctly with what they did in the offseason based upon their injury news and things like that. So minus 5.75, we're going to lean to the over. And finally, the lowly Atlanta Falcons, Vegas win total, five juice to the under, scheduled medium hard, unfortunately, because their at-large games are against the Chargers. I mean, wouldn't you rather get the Raiders there than the Chargers? They get Chicago at least, and then they're at Washington. So if you remember, Atlanta finished better than the Carolina Panthers with seven wins last year, so they have a little bit harder of at-large games, right? You know, you got Denver that gets to play the Carolina Panthers. I'd much rather have Denver than the Chargers, even with Russell Wilson there. But, you know, to each his own, pick your own poison. Last year, Atlanta's schedule was easy. 
key losses. Quarterback Matt Ryan on that massive trade to send him to the Colts. Linebacker Forsaid Olukun. I think I destroyed his name. Wide <laughs> receiver Russell Gage. Obviously, uh, Tampa decided to uh, pay him millions and millions of dollars. Safety Josh Harris. Tight end Hayden Hurst. Defensive end Dante Fowler. Running back Mike Davis. And defensive end Jonathan Bullard. So key additions we're going to look at is quarterback Marcus Mariota, cornerback Casey Howard, defensive end Lonzo Carter, and linebacker Rashawn Evans, running back Damian Williams. Remember how much hype Kyle Pitts came in to this team last year? Well, well he couldn't even have that great of a year with Matt Ryan at quarterback. So uh, it goes to show you that it's all about system really more than names. But now you have Arthur Smith trading Matt Ryan and picking up Marcus Mariota. Well, he played, coached Marcus Mariota back on the Tennessee Titans for years, right? So he feels some sort of level of confidence with him. But this is rebuild central to me. This team is trying to rebuild from all the money that they just shed. And um, I also think it was really dumb for them to pick Drake London first in the draft. They picked Drake London. Then he went with Edge Arnold Ibikite from Penn State. Then quarterback Desmond Ritter, which I agree with. And then a bunch of dudes after that. But I just think this team is going to suck. And I don't like their draft at all. I don't like what they did in free agency. You know, this team is kind of telling me that they're going to tank or not going to do well. This team is kind of doing what the Houston Texans did last year. Remember, they had Tyrod Taylor and, you know, they had the, the draft pick and they they got Davis Mills. This kind of feels like them a little bit. Even though I said the Bears feel like them, this team might feel a little bit more like the Houston Texans to me. Desmond Ritter's got a shot to be quarterback if Mariota doesn't turn out or maybe I should say when he doesn't turn out. But he's not going to get a real shot because that offensive line is absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Terrible. That's terrible. On Pro Football Focus, they ranked 27th last year, which I think is actually somewhat high for them. Okay? So in this situation, looking at they, their Pythagorean, which was only 5.16, you know, looking at what their actual wins are, looking at their schedule that isn't exactly easy this year, looking at it medium-hard, I only have the Falcons at 3.58 wins. 3.58 wins. Pretty dang low. Do I want to go under a juiced five now with 17 games in the season? Not really. Uh, Not really. Maybe they get a little lucky. Maybe they get to five and have a, an easy game, their last game, maybe maybe their final team they're playing, which is Tampa Bay, already has like their seed locked up in the playoffs. Maybe they bench some people like Cincinnati did last year. You never know. It just seems a little bit low to take under. I don't ever want to take under a five unless it's looking deathly bad for a team. 3.58 is my number, but I'm just going to lean to the under. I have their power rating at minus eight. Well, there's your NFC South. 
Now let's get into the NFC East. And this division scraped themselves up from the bottom of the barrel in 2020 to somewhat formidable. I believe when Washington made the playoffs in 2020, they only had seven wins. So they definitely took a big step up. Now, obviously, Dak was injured back then. There's a lot of injuries. The Giants are the Giants. The Eagles were in transition mode. Um, but they certainly improved last year. And thanks to the Cowboys, uh, the division became somewhat formidable. Uh, this team loaded with talent, um, but they just can't seem to put it all together. Looking at the Eagles, they're within striking distance. They just need a few more pieces, and it kind of looks like they're going to go for it, and I can't wait to get into that. Uh, the Washington Commanders finally have a name, <laughs> yet still no quarterback, really. Uh, I guess if you count Wentz, but we'll get more into that as well. And now that they are the Commanders, we're going to have to get used to the Commanders rather than the Washington football team that I did eventually get used to, which... I kind of like, but maybe the commanders will rub off on me somehow. The good news for this division, they massively lucked out with their schedules this year because the NFC East plays the two worst divisions in football in the NFC North and in the AFC South. Okay, that is huge. The Giants and the Eagles actually, according to Warren Sharp and Sharp Football, have the easiest schedules in all the league. Giants number one, Eagles number two in all of the NFL from the same division. That is very interesting. I believe the Redskins are sixth and the Cowboys are tenth. Okay? Imagine that. Now, in saying that, just because there's easy schedules doesn't mean the bottom figures are going to flourish if they're not as good as some of the worst teams coming into the year. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But starting out, we have to go with the top team in the division, which is the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have a Vegas win total of 10 flat. Their 2021 wins were 12 Okay, their Pythagorean wins in 2021 were 12, or sorry, 11.64, rounded to 12. Pretty good. Their schedule this year, medium easy, at large versus Tampa Bay, versus Cincinnati, and at LA Rams. Now, they're still medium easy, even with a first place schedule like that. Last year's schedule for Dallas was hard. They had one of the top six hardest schedules in the entire NFL. Their key losses this year, outside linebacker Randy Gregory, wide receiver Cedric Wilson, right tackle Leal Collins, guard Connor Williams, kicker Greg Zerline, strong safety Keanu Neal, and wide receiver they traded Amari Cooper. Key additions. Defensive end Dante Fowler Jr. and wide receiver James Washington. Not a lot after that because Dallas paid a lot of money out to 
their quarterback, Dak Prescott, forty million a year, and obviously that massive contract to Zeke, that's got to hurt them a little bit. Who they drafted? Tackle Tyler Smith, edge Sam Williams, wide receiver Jalen Tolbert, and tight end Jake Ferguson from the Badges. Summary: Dallas certainly surprised me last year. I. Didn't I? I thought Dak wasn't quite as good as he showed. I, I he blew my mind. They were better than I expected. Um, now they also won twelve games on a pretty hard schedule. Okay, their athletes finally showed up for them. You know, guys like C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup before he got hurt. Right, Dalton Schultz came out of nowhere. Okay, so uh, he was fantastic. So big props to them. Now, they lost a lot of talent, as you could see with their key losses. But I got to tell you, even with those losses, I thought this team was pretty deep and pretty loaded. I My biggest problem is still Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's a good coach. And I think last year their talent superseded his deficiencies. I think uh, I, I think that coaching didn't come into it until they played some of their bigger games, like you saw in the playoffs against the Niners, right? Um, just I'm just going to be completely honest. With this regular season schedule, I, I don't have any fear of them uh, going, I, I would say, missing the playoffs. It would take another big DAC injury or um, something out of the ordinary for them to miss with such an easy schedule. I just don't know if they're playoff capable. I don't know if they're championship capable with a guy like Mike McCarthy back there. Dak Prescott, all the talent in the world, he hasn't showed me in the big games that he can win it yet. So just telling you, I think they probably get to the playoffs I, I have my number north of 10 for their season win number. It's actually pretty high, which worries me because of that coach. It's around 12 wins. But do I want to take it because of that coach? Hmm. Going to have to think a little bit more about that. What I will say is that my power rating on Dallas is pretty high at 5.25 points better than the average team. So we're going to go with a lean to the over for Dallas for now and uh, go with 5.25 for their power rating. Number two is the Philadelphia Eagles. Their Vegas win total is nine wins juice to the over. There's actually some books out there that have it nine and a half juice to the over, but if you shop around properly, you should find it at nine juice to the over at a very close price. Let's look at this team here. So the Eagles had nine wins last year, right? Their Pythagorean wins was 9.92. They actually underachieved a little bit. Their schedule this year, like I said earlier, easy. Second easiest schedule in all the league compared to their opponent's Vegas win totals. Okay. At large games at Arizona. Versus Pittsburgh and versus the New Orleans Saints. Schedule last year was medium easy. Key losses. 
Defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway, cornerback Steve Nelson, and free safety Roddy McLeod. Key additions, wide receiver A.J. Brown in that blockbuster trade on draft day. Outside linebacker Hassan Reddick, cornerback James Bradbury, and outside linebacker Kaizi White, wide receiver Zach Pascal. Who they drafted, defensive lineman Jordan Davis, center Cam Jurgens, and linebacker Nicobe Dean. Fly, Eagles, fly. Might be the dumbest saying in all of the NFL for a team, but this team certainly set themselves up for success, in my opinion. The A.J. Brown trade worked out well for both teams. Uh, Titans didn't want to pay that salary. The Eagles are ready to take on a star. They now have a possession receiver to go along with their speed guy in Devontae Smith. Pretty good. Like how they have some big linebacker moves, bringing Hassan Reddick and Kaizy White. How do you not love this draft? Getting Jordan Davis, 340 pounds, ran a 4.7840. Unreal. It is unreal. Who wants to block that guy? Oh, Jesus. I don't want to block that guy. And Nicobe Dean, he dropped in the draft from first round down because there are some questions about his health, but he was an absolute bullet for the Georgia Bulldogs last year. You can't ignore how easy this schedule is setting up. You know, at least they get to play Pittsburgh and New Orleans at home. And to be honest with you, they got to go to Arizona, but I would rather play Arizona than San Francisco this year. I'm pretty optimistic on this team. I think they made the right moves, and I know Jalen Hurts isn't exactly a proven star yet, but he's certainly on his way, and he would have to be pretty bad to screw this up with this type of schedule. I see 11.4 wins here, okay? I think they can get to 11.46 wins. I think they get past the nine, which is available in many books. I'm going to lay some juice here. I'm going to take the nine. I'm going to go over nine wins at minus 140, which is readily available right now for one star. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. My Eagles power rating is 2.75 points above the average team. Number three, the Washington Commanders. Vegas win total is eight. 2021 wins is seven. Their Pythagorean wins was only 6.22. They overachieved a little bit. Their schedule this year is easy. Their at-large games are against Atlanta, at San Francisco, and versus Cleveland. Okay? Their schedule last year was hard. Their key losses, guard Brandon Sheriff, Defensive tackle, Tim Settle. And they have a bunch of unsigned guys that I don't think they're going to be reaching for. Safety and Landon Collins. Quarterback Ryan Fitzmagic is gone, although he didn't play a lot last year, if you remember. Guard Eric Flowers and inside linebacker John Bostick. Key additions, quarterback Carson Wentz. Guard Andrew Norwell. Guard Trey Turner. And defensive end F.A. Obada. And... 
key draft picks, wide receiver, Jahan Dotson, defensive tackle, Fedarian Mathis from Alabama there, running back Brian Robinson from Alabama, and quarterback Sam Howell. The summary, not a ton of action here in free agency besides the big Wentz trade. They pretty much swapped guards with Jacksonville. What was it like? Sheriff for Norwell. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, The commanders have a lot of unsigned players, like I said, but the quarterback's the big news. And I I have to assume Wentz is going to be starting for them to make that big trade. But I personally didn't like it that much. I mean, what's Wentz going to do? He's proven that he has choked under pressure too many times. And he's capable. But last year, I kind of thought the Colts were more about the short dump-offs to Jonathan Taylor, which any quarterback should be, should be able to do, right? Is Wentz an upgrade over Taylor Heineke? Maybe. But I don't think it's that much. I, I'm glad they didn't reach for a quarterback, I guess, in a bad draft class. But um, you you have to wonder if Sam Howell is going to try to be the man this year and take the uh, job from Wentz. And, and his draft pick wasn't a bad pick in the spot that he grabbed him, right? Was it third or fourth pick, I think, uh, of their draft that they drafted Howell? Um Last year, we knew that Washington was going to be a little bit overrated coming into the season. We saw that. Um, This year, they're probably properly rated, but their win total's at eight, and it's because of that easy schedule, like I said before. You know, I I like their coach, Rivera. Um, If they play some hard-nosed football, Chase Young's going to be back. I could see this team getting to eight wins. Um with this schedule and uh there's probably an outside shot they sneak into the playoffs but that would be somewhat difficult i hate the fact that they have to play at san francisco and we'll see what's going on with cleveland and deshaun watson by the time that they get that far in their schedule that's going to be pretty deep in the air i think when they play them my number thanks to this easy schedule is 8.61 wins so i'm going to lean to the over but I'm not going to be taking it because I just can't trust the quarterback situation here. And I can't trust the adjustments that they really didn't make to this offense to make it that much better. You know, I I don't think that they brought in enough star power. They have one really good receiver in Terry McLaurin, but then they have an older Curtis Samuel. We don't know if Jahan Dotson's going to, turn out yet um obviously they still have diane brown from last year and we don't know a heck of a lot about their running back situation here is by is brian robinson going to get the starting job over antonio gibson who knows jd mckissick is kind of still hanging around there as well i think too so um lots of questions i think and i don't see really any star power besides terry mclaurin on this team so we'll hold tight here next team finally is the new york giants their vegas win total is seven even juice to the under at minus 120 their 2021 wins four wins is all they had last year but thanks to 
their easy schedule, which is the easiest in the NFL, their win total is all the way up to seven. Their Pythagorean wins was only 5.53, or sorry, 4.53. So just a reminder, if you have any questions about Pythagorean, please read our article at theoddsbreakers.com. It'll explain what Pythagorean win totals are and why they're used. Going into their schedule, very easy. At-large versus Carolina versus Baltimore is the only one that, you know, you kind of kick yourself for. It's like Baltimore had that super injured year. And then at Jacksonville, okay? Last year's schedule was actually a medium, probably a medium-level schedule. Key losses, obviously, Coach Joe Judge. Gettleman's gone, their GM. Defensive tackle, Austin Johnson. Cornerback, Keon Crossan. Cornerback, James Bradbury. Defensive end, Lonzo Carter. Safety, Drabriel Peppers, which I just feel like they just drafted him. Was it two or three drafts ago? Maybe it was only, maybe it's been three or four. Uh, Left tackle, Nate Soldier, that they signed from the Patriots, that turned out to be a bust. Tight end, Kyle Rudolph. Guard, Billy Price. Running back, Devontae Booker. Um, so a few of those guys are just not signed yet, and maybe they will sign with the Giants, but doubtful. Key additions, obviously Coach Brian Dayball coming in from the uh, Buffalo Bills. He was the offensive coordinator there. Guard Mark, uh, I believe it's Glowinski. Quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Guard Joe Feliciano. Defensive tackle Justin Ellis. Key draft picks, Edge, Kavion Thibodeau. Kavon, I should say. I shouldn't say Kavion. I believe it's Kavon. Offensive tackle, Evan Neal. Wide receiver, Wandale Robinson. Guard, Joshua Izudu. And a bunch of dudes. This team's going through massive changes. I must say I really do like what they did in the offseason. I like it. I like their draft. Kavon fell to them at the pick five. The... Offensive tackle, Evan Neal, was the best, I think, in the whole draft. Wandale Robinson, I mentioned, was a sleeper. You know, he was played for Nebraska and played for Kentucky last year. Dude hasn't even really played for a real quarterback yet. <laughs> you know, the problem is Daniel Jones. And they didn't get a quarterback this year. They're going to give themselves a breather. And I always say that's what you should do as a new coach and GM. Why draft a quarterback this year? It just gets you fired a year earlier, you know, in, in the NFL where change happens more often than not, you know, maybe, maybe a quarter of the coaches will stay and three quarters of them ends up getting fired two, three, four years down the road. See what you got in Daniel Jones, and then you can blame it on that and then get a new quarterback next year. But the problem is, I don't even think Daniel Jones is day balls guy. I mean, they got Tyrod Taylor who, has some legs obviously you know dayball used josh allen's legs you know if no one's open take off slide that worked out well for them so tyrod taylor might be playing more than we think but here's another issue i think this team would serve themselves best not to win a lot of games anyway because of the two big quarterbacks next year now obviously coaches don't think like that but i mean this situation here C.J. Stroud and Bryce, Bryce Young are just going to be, I mean, they were the top two quarterbacks really in the whole league last year, and they couldn't even come out. I, I, I just feel like 
if I could control this and control the whole NFL or every team, I would tank. I would tank some teams because it ends up working out with all the capital you get. Even if you're at spot number one and don't like a quarterback, you can just get a ton for them, for that spot, right? So I think next year is going to be a much better draft, even though people were was waiting for this draft because of COVID. Remember I said, you know, even waiting for COVID, there's not a lot of top picks at this draft that are really that much different than the second or third round. Now, the draft was pretty deep this year. But it sucks to say that the Giants would be better off the tank. The problem is I really like their offseason moves. You know, got a couple guards, defensive tackle, shedded some of that money, and uh, seemed to have a really good coach. You know, this could be a situation where they win eight games and miss the playoffs and uh, are stuck with a no quarterback unless they trade a ton of capital in the future. My number anyway this year, because of that easy schedule, is 6.77 wins. And obviously because of some of the guys that they picked up. My power rating on the Giants is at minus 7. So I have them slightly worse than the Bears right now. Not much. But, you know, they, this still is a, a team that's kind of a, a shell in the making right now. I have no play. And I think the price is correct on the season win total juiced to the under. So that's what you get for the NFC East. We're taking the Eagles over nine at minus 140. And if you have any questions about the NFC East or want to point something out that I missed or did wrong or did right, please feel free to tweet me at OBKiev or at the Odds Breakers. Now let's get into a little UFC on ESPN. And we're calling this UFC Vegas 56, Jarzino Rosenstrike versus Alexander Volkov. And that is the main event. So, I always like Jarzino. He is a fantastic tier one stand-up fighter. And Volkov is tier one as well. But neither of these guys are in the top three or four because neither of them could beat Cyril Gaon. And Cyril Gaon lost to Francis Naganu. And I guess you probably should count John Jones up there as well somewhere. Uh, <laughs> what happened to Volkov against his last opponent, Tom Aspinall, was embarrassing getting submitted with an arm bar in the first but at the same time i'm pretty sure that tom aspinall has moved himself up to tier one as well after this fight and the dude is literally 12 and 2 coming in to fight curtis blades uh in late july i cannot wait for that fight i think that fight is going to be fantastic but beginning back to this one both of these fighters volkov the big russian he's like Six seven. I feel like he's taller than that. The way he looks anyway. 34 and 10. Fantastic stand-up technical fighter. An amazing reach. Is fighting Jargino, who is also a fantastic stand-up fighter, but shorter. Volkov's got that massive 88 80 inch reach, but Jargino's reach is actually 78. It's actually not so bad himself. But Volkov can outstrike you. 
Volkov is at about 4.8 significant strikes land per minute. He stays back. He jabs a lot. While Giorgino is more of the calculated guy looking for the big blow, and he lands a lot of them, but he's only at 2.8 significant strikes per minute. This worries me about Giorgino. I really hate Volkov's last performance, but I've never seen Giorgino lose to somebody that's kind of mid-tier fighter. Now, Giorgino's only fought 12 fights, and he's lost three. His three losses was to Curtis Blades by decision, right, back in September of 2021. He lost to Cyril Gaon and Francis Naganu. That's it. He beat guys like Junior Dos Santos, knocked him out, beat Alistair Overeem, punched him out in the fifth, fifth round. Uh, Augusto Sakai, who was moving up for a while, that ended up crumbling. Andre Arlovsky, who seems to last every fight. Giorgino knocked him out in 29 seconds. All right? So Giorgino is nothing to shake your head against. This is a fantastic fight and is well-warranted. If I was making the line in this fight, I would probably make Volkov minus 140, something like that. Maybe like a 58% chance of winning just because of his size. Looking at the lines, I'm seeing Volkov is minus 150, minus 160, minus 160, minus 174, minus 162, minus 152. So I'm really close. Not enough discrepancy. Now, if this goes up, I might play a little bit on Giorgino. But right now, I'm thinking this fight is not going to go the distance. And you can play that for minus 150. Nah, minus 160 is from pretty much what I'm seeing here. Painted all around these books. But I personally like the under four and a half rounds at minus 125. I don't see this fight getting to the end. Now, don't get me wrong. These fighters have both went the distance. Volkov against Cyril Gaon went five full rounds. Volkov versus Marcin Tibura went uh, three full rounds. All right? So it does happen. Heck, Volkov lost to Curtis Blades in five full rounds. Somehow Blades couldn't submit him. He tried. But these fighters are both stand-up, and they're going to be taking on damage. And I think there's going to be a desperation, especially from Giorgino, if this fight gets too late. He's going to sacrifice his chin out there to try to get himself a knockout, which is great for Volkov because he's great at countering that stuff. And this is also why Volkov is the slight favorite here. I th I'm going to play under four and a half rounds for minus 125 for 1.5 stars just because the way these guys match up so technically, I think there's going to be some opportunity for each one to get inside and close this thing out it's not going to be a big play just because of the risk at going to five but Volkov should be a little bit desperate after that awful loss last time Giorgino should be a little bit desperate after some of his bad performances against the top fighters like Blades like Gon I see this fight going under the four and a half for 1.5 stars and so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. Looking at the rest of the card, I've got a lot of liens that I wrote down. 
obviously it's only Wednesday. But a few things I do want to say is Dan Ige is plus 310 against Mavsar Evlayov. And that's quite disrespectful. I think this was is a little bit of a disrespectful line. So I'm leaning towards Dan Ige on this one. I'm not a big Alonzo Menafield fan, and he's fighting Askar Mazarov. So I'm really leaning Askar here in this situation as a plus money dog. So these are just a couple of my thoughts before I dig in even deeper. And I think there's going to be a couple parlays that I throw in here on some eh, mid-range favorites that I think should be able to take care of business. And uh, my premium subscribers are going to get those plays when I decide to make them. So going to do a little bit more research on this card before I send out more plays for premium. But as of right now, I'm going to take the under four and a half rounds with uh, Volkov and Rosenstrike. All right, without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Maddie from footballcontest.com. Now, I'm very excited to welcome back the most experienced proxy in all of Las Vegas from footballcontest.com, Mr. Vegas Maddie. You can follow him What's on going Twitter. On? <laughs> Not much, buddy. Having a great having a great uh spring here um real excited for the contest here here and i was about to say you can follow you on twitter at vegas underscore maddie or at football contest man you know what i'm, I'm getting excited i'm doing my football prep right now and i just yeah I, i'm just getting into it man i can't i can't wait for football season how you been good i mean football kickoff is just a few months away but football contest sign up kickoff has already started at circus sports and we're hoping to add a few more. July 1st, there'll be the Super Contest, the Golden Nugget Ultimate Football Showdown. Hopefully, William Hill's College Pick'em will be back as well. So anyone planning their trips for the summer, try to come out. I would say July, August, if you want to max out the different contests around Vegas. But Circa, you can get into the Circa Million, the Circa Survivor right now. So I just did a few signups earlier today, and they're rocking and rolling over there. Yeah, they are always rocking and rolling at the circuit with Derek Stevens leading the way. Such a such a colorful individual. I love Derek, man. He's such a great guy. And he gets oh, he is. He's great. He gets things done. He knows how important it is to be first to market. And he is up in yep. the ante this year, isn't he, Maddie? Yeah, I mean twelve million dollars in guaranteed money between the two contests. The circus survivor was six million last year. He took a little bit uh, of a hit there because they they fell a couple million dollars short of, of the goal of 6,000 entries. So there were a little over 4,000 entries in each of the contests last year, actually. So they're upping the ante really in the circa million this year to get that up to $6 million or 6,000 entries is the goal for each of them so that they avoid any kind of overlay and, and uh, have the the max money like um, coming back to everyone is, is regardless. That's the thing about the guarantee. That's great. It's not based on the number of entries. They're putting that $6 million in no matter what. So even if they don't hit the 6,000, um, they still have that guarantee for both of those contests. And if there's more entries, then they kick back money into the quarters for the circa million, which is really cool. Yeah. And you know, it's the same thing. It's, it's a hundred percent payback in both contests. So that's really awesome. That is amazing. And so they're upping it to, 100 payouts from 50 right 
Yes, for the Circa Million, it's now going to pay off the top 100. So the first place is still worth a million dollars. That top 10 is still going to be a lead company. So you'll still make a nice, uh, get a nice paycheck if you, if you uh, finish in the top 10. But they also, with anticipation that they're going to go over 6,000 entries, they want to be able to pay more spots out. And there's a lot of guys. I just signed up a guy today. He finished like a half point out of the money. <laughs> and he was those one of those stories uh where he I, yeah i think he was like right after that top 50 cut and he was in he was like ninth i think with about five or six weeks to go and he was telling me the story about how he had two losing weeks in a row that knocked him you know into the hundreds and then he bounced back with a couple good weeks and he basically had to go three and two i think the last week to cash and he ended up going like two and three or and it just, yeah, he just fell short and, yeah. you know, it was his first time he's, he was saying, oh, well, you know, normally I'm, I'm not even close to this, but I think I know what I got to do this year. And, you know, I gave him a pat on the back and just told him, hey, you know, it's it's an experience. You got to get that under your belt. And now you kind of know how to attack it because he it came real close to winning one of the, the first quarter, too. I think he was maybe a point out of uh, the quarters because, as you know, those quarters pay you know, a hefty amount, they will be $200,000, um, and they pay out the top five spots. Now it's top five. Well. It was top three before. Yeah, it's going from top three to top five, and then also they have the booby prize for the, the last place in that quarter. So uh, that that's where they're beefing them up. I think total they're worth 300000 I believe, per quarter, uh, up from two fifty last year. So that's kind of you know, where the extra money is going into the quarters and then paying out the the top 100 now versus the top 50. That is amazing. Way the circuit just does a fantastic job over there put their money where their mouth is and uh they deserve everything and all the fame that comes with it. I'm so stoked for this. And man, I'll tell you. You can think about the 1 million dollar prize. That's fine. But dude, the quarter prize is fantastic. You have a bad start, not quite to booby prize start, then uh you know, you know you can at least pay for those big quarter payouts. And so that's always a fantastic thing. Awesome job from Derek Stevens. There. Yeah, and I want to give a shout-out to your boy Chris Farley, who tied for fifth last year in his first go-round. And, man, and he was he was sniffing the million dollars, too, at the end. And But fortunately, they, they finished strong enough to get that, that fifth-place finish, which was awesome, him and Bobo Betts. Um, that, that was an awesome performance right out of the gates. And I'm sure those guys are raring to go as well. And, and uh, they're, they're ready to go for that million this year. They're already talking about it. Chris and Steve Norman kind of partnered in on one last year and uh, all the way from Baltimore. That's where Chris is uh, putting those plays in through you. Uh, best yep. proxy in Vegas. Uh, and this is exactly what a proxy is, guys. If you missed last year, somebody that puts your plays in for you, you can live anywhere in the world and play these massive contests. As a matter of fact, there's a price for last place. If you're doing really bad, you can purposely choke. You see that booby check behind you. That's a hundred thousand. Yeah. I was going to say Matt was that bad last year. Got a hundred grand for uh, his <laughs> NFL picks, but no, that's uh, that's uh, well, so- we're, yeah, we're proud enough to we're proud to say that we've had the booby prize winner each of the first two years. So we actually had the booby <laughs> prize winner again last year, and um, the guy who won it last year, <clears throat> kid from uh, Jake from Wisconsin. He uh, he, he lives in Minnesota now, I believe, but he. He's a very good contest player, and I think what happened with him, his story was like week five or six, he was kind of just floating around 500, and um, he had another bad week and just decided to 
fade his own plays and, and go the opposite. <laughs> and he ended up getting just about as many points as the, the guy who won the million dollars for losers. So that just goes to show that if you have a rough start and the same thing happened with, with our guy uh, the first year that won it two years ago was that he had, he bought in with two entries and he just had a bad first week even mm-hmm. and like oh and five and one and four or something like that and he's just like look i'm going to take one of these entries and i'm just going to go opposite of my picks and then with the other entry i'm going to take picks you know the that i think are going to win and he ended up placing at the very end with with that uh second that first entry mm-hmm. um i think he finished like in the 40s something like that which kind of goes to show that uh you know, if he didn't have that first bad week, he probably wouldn't have won a, lo- a lot more money. Um, but it also helped him because he was able to just go for the booby right off the bat. So it's like another another bonus of having that in the contest. Just that if you end up getting off to a bad start and you, you think you're good or you just think your picks are terrible, just go for the booby prize because it's worth $100,000. And then there's quarterly booby prizes worth $25,000. So yeah. it's just a, it's a great, great kind of gimmick and another way that you can win some money um, over at Circa. Absolutely. And what's funny is that, you know, getting towards the end, you're running in last place. It takes, a, it takes some effort here. It's like, you almost got to find out yeah. who's going to lose. It's like the same way of finding out who's going to win based upon the spread. Yeah. I mean, there's some opportunities there. I remember when Kirk Cousins was announced out that was like on a Saturday morning or something like that. Maybe it was maybe it was Friday. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, it's just the the line moved like seven points, right? And uh, yeah, and everybody on Circa, you know, obviously picked the Packers in that game. But the people at the booby price said, "Oh, this is a perfect time to take the Vikings." So oh, exactly. Uh, That's the thing about Jake is he just he went with his opposite of his his what would be his normal place. He only had one entry. Uh, in the contest last year, and I encourage him to do two this year, just so that you know, if he if he wants to go with his his plays, his regular plays, you know, he probably would end up winning more money. He's not might not win a hundred thousand dollars, but you know, it's just that uh, that rough start. I mean, to be five hundred even through the four first four or five weeks, which is not terrible by any means. I mean, there's guys who end up finishing super strong that that get off to that start, but to have kind of the gall to get in there and be like, I'm just going to go for the booby prize and I'll fade my plays. I mean, if you think about it, he was as hot as anybody and he, he would have had a chance to win the million dollars if he would have gone the other way on that and just taken all those, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, all the picks that he wanted. So, um, but yeah, just an incredible feat. And that's, a, that's one of those other prizes that, that are out there. There's just so many ways that you could win money in the circa million. A lot of different ways to squeeze a quick kiwi, I think they like to say. I, you know, yeah. it's just, uh, it, it, it it's so fantastic to play these contests, too, because it really makes your NFL season fun. I only did one entry in the circuit because I did a William Hill one as well. And I got to tell you, you know, I got 270th place, and that was ex- exactly 60% across the board. So I'm like thinking to myself, well, Jesus, man. I'm in the top 10% of all the players. There's over 4,000 yeah, players. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's just like... I probably would have been more upset if I got 75th place and now your guys are now they're paying the top 100 instead of right instead exactly of yeah, people year. say they once they change that stuff up but you know it's a great experience nonetheless and you kind of learn from it and mm-hmm. maybe you can have that and finish in the top 100 this year like get up in that uh, that payout zone and you never know like once once what I tell people too is once you get into that area where you're you're going to make some money I mean, a five and zero in that last week um, 
can I think Chris Chris went four and one I think in the last week where he you know he could have gone either way I mean he, he was talking about oh man if I would have gone five and oh I could have won another you know hundred thousand dollars or whatever but you know you go two and three or one and four or something like that then you're like down in the 40s or something that's how quickly things can change in these in these contests you know it's a matter of like uh that that three point difference could be huge, and that's why people hedge their bets, and sometimes they'll even play the Monday game. I remember Chris was on Cleveland, which was probably a great play because Cincinnati benched everybody, but somehow Cincinnati's backups ended up uh, covering, and they got massively yeah. outgained that day. I went four and one the last week too. I just picked a different loss that happened, but man, that's it, exactly how close it comes in these contests yeah. and just the adrenaline rush you get is just amazing. I guess you got some deals for some early bird signups, my man. Why don't you go over that? Well, sure. So if you go to footballcontest.com and just click get a proxy, uh, that'll take you to our, our page where it'll tell you all of the different uh, pricing on the different entries and whatnot we do. We're selling, um, we've got a good deal on the, uh, the full house, which I signed a gentleman up uh, today. He actually finished third in the DraftKings contest last year, won $300,000. So he figured he'd go in and try to do uh, Circa this year. And he, he did the full house, which is considered three millions and six survivors, which is the max you can enter. And we've got a, a special on there where it's $200 off um, what we would normally charge for that. Um, and that's, that's good throughout the summer. Um, if you do do six survivors. We offer two different deadlines, like a Friday and a Saturday deadline. Some guys know their picks right away. So we try to give them a little bit of a break. Um, but most people, 80, 90% like to have that Saturday deadline. So that that's really our, kind of our base fee. So if you do take six survivor entries, um, you'll save like a hundred dollars, uh, on maxing those out as well. Um, and you can just, uh, just tell them the odds breakers sent, sent you and, and we'll take care of them. We'll, we'll, we'll get the, that hundred dollars back to you. Um, and then also we're doing another uh, deal with uh, teamrankings.com. And uh, what we're doing now, it, we had a, a deal with them that kind of expired today, but I'm going to, this is breaking news. We're going to extend that through July 1st. So basically anybody who's, who prepays with us through July 1st, will get like a $49 credit uh, with, uh, team rankings that they can use on um, kind of the survivor strategy um, stuff. That that's like the that's forty nine dollars. They also offer like a something for like the pick'em contest as well. That's a little bit more, but you can take forty nine dollars off that. So you can, whatever you want to use, they've got stuff for March Madness pools, all kinds of stuff over there. If you haven't been to TeamRankings.com, uh, check that out. And they also they have like a nice survivor strategy game guide that you can download for free if you want to go over there and uh, check it out wow look at how uh, thick that thing is a lot of good work over there that thing is that that thing is thick man for a strategy (laughs) guy to survive i'm not a survivor (laughs) guy myself but man i mean it just kind of goes through everything um you know different strategies to take on what happens in this week i mean what, what you would do if you had multiple entries that kind of thing you know how you approach that um, and another thing, the, the biggest, one of the bigger changes that in Circus Survivor this year, just for, for the listeners and viewers out there, is that if you sign up for six entries, which is the max in the Survivor contest, and you were to play that first Thursday game, that Bills and Rams game, say you take the Bills on six Survivors and you, you lose 
or, or however many survivors, then you can buy back up to the max of six um, by the Saturday uh, deadline. So if you happen to get knocked out, it's kind of like a, a nice incentive to just go for it and put this the six picks on one team. And if you if you end up winning, which is the best case scenario, obviously, then you're on to week two and you have all those six picks going the next week or however many pick you, picks you want to do. But you can also, you know, if you're in town to sign up anyway, um, that last week, um, that Thursday, um, and then Friday and Saturday, you can rebuy up to six, which is pretty cool. Yeah, wow. So you got an extra six grand laying around as well. So, you know, you lose them all. You still <laughs> you know, got you night at the tables or something. <laughs> Maybe you have a good night at the tables. There you go. Well, right. Yeah. So, yep. just so our listeners know, it is a thousand dollars a sign up for the Circa Millions as well as the Survivor. Currently, according to the tweet this morning uh, that uh, you guys sent out, there's 130 entries so far in the Survivor with a 5.87 million overlay, and only 61 entries in the Circa Millions with a 5.9 three million overlay as well now obviously yeah we, we bumped those numbers up a little bit because we had probably about 10 survivor entries that we put in uh today so that those numbers might not be completely accurate but they kind of just goes to show if you look at the survivor they're like doubling what the million has put out so far and i think that was derek's goal last year uh, survivor's really his baby you know he loves playing survivor uh pools and um, loves the strategy part of it. We actually had one of the the guys who won one point five million dollars last year, Billy. Um, he he was uh, he just hit it up. He had the Broncos on that last Saturday game to to win the one point five million dollars. Um, I'm sorry, the Chiefs. Sorry, go going. Yeah, against that, the, Broncos. the Broncos were winning for a while. <laughs> yeah, the Broncos were winning. They almost had a heart attack. But uh, once once that defensive touchdown came in for the Chiefs, because that was the one thing you had to do to get that extra bonus, um, which is uh, to go that the, the uh, twenty and zero, I believe, is is you have to save one of the Super Bowl participants for that last week, which is which is tough to do. But this year you have the Bengals and the Rams. Obviously, some people maybe they'll save the the Bengals might be a wise wise uh, save for people just because they they have a tough really tough schedule this year, and I don't know when you would use them before then. Um, but we'll see what happens. But that's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be here before you know it, man. All the strategy involved. It is so much fun, Maddie. Where could our listeners get your great information and hire you as a proxy? Yeah, just go to footballcontest.com or follow us on Twitter at footballcontest. And, uh, you know, just kind of uh, reiterating what you said about the proxy is you do need to sign up in person for these contests. You have to fly to Vegas, drive, however you want to get here. Um, take a nice road trip between now and the last Saturday before the first uh, first Sunday of NFL games and you sign up in person for the contest. And then we meet up and basically fill out some paperwork and get assigned as your proxy. Uh, then because they, the sportsbook needs, uh, you know, your approval that we're going to put the picks in for you. And then you just do everything online with us through our portal. You'll submit your picks on a weekly basis there. And we try to make it as easy as possible. We, we try to even make it even easier, made some tweaks to it in, in the off season here. So hopefully um, it's even easier for everyone, but our, our goal is just to make it as easy as possible for you guys to put your picks in, 
All you got to do is worry about picking the winners. That's the easy part, right? <laughs> that, that is the easy part, Matty, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on thank you, the man. show and talking about these amazing contests. I can't wait to meet you up again in Vegas and get all signed up and, and taken care of. And uh, it's, the, it's the funnest time of year getting into these massive football contests. Make sure you guys check out Matty at footballcontest.com. Tell them the odds breakers sent you. Thanks again, Matty. Thank you, guys. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions about any of the topics we covered, feel free to tweet us at The Odds Breakers. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and go get some winners.